Good morning and welcome to worship at Selwyn Avenue Presbyterian Church on this bright but chilly Advent morning. We are glad you have found your way to us through Facebook Live or our website or Spotify. Um, and the few of us who are here in the sanctuary, we are grateful for your leadership this morning. There are several announcements that you might be able to find on our website through Church Notes. I will highlight just a few of those for you this morning. Advent is a time of preparing and waiting. And perhaps more than ever, uh, we need Advent as we look ahead to the celebration of Christ's birth. With COVID on the rise around Charlotte, we are taking um, extra precaution when we gather for worship leadership here in this space, and certainly when we make decisions about when and how we gather in small groups or even at all. We will keep you um, in, in the know as we continue to navigate these uncertain times. A few announcements in regards to stewardship this season, your commitment and your dedication to this congregation and our mission and our vision is so important and we give you thanks for that. Please uh, consider completing your 2020 pledge and if you have not made a pledge for 2021, our goal is 130 pledges and we are well on our way. It's not too late to make a pledge of any amount and we greatly appreciate it. This season we, we will um, have poinsettias in our sanctuary. If that is something that you and your household traditionally are a part of, please know our poinsettias this Christmas Eve will go to some of our members who are extremely isolated due to circumstances of COVID-19. We continue to offer our prayers and our sympathy to our member Dick Metzler and his family on the death of his wife and our friend and our elder Dottie. Several of you have been in touch asking about when we might plan a memorial service and celebration of her life and we have decided that we will do that in early January so please wait for more information on that. Also Joy Widener, our prayers are extended to you on the death of your grandmother which also was recently. We lift our hearts in gratitude for the promises of the resurrection, which are true for both of them this day. Next Sunday, we're inviting the children of the church to join us on the church lawn with our face masks and our costumes for a casual telling of the Christmas story. Um, that happens at noon on the 13th. And now I'll invite Nancy Nutter up. She is our children and families, church educator. Nancy, maybe come up on the steps so that the choir is okay. For a quick message for our children. Good morning, Selwyn Avenue Church family, especially you boys and girls at home that have gotten your Advent box. This was something that we delivered to our preschool and elementary school families. However, if you would like some of the devotionals, send me an email and I will email them to you. As Lori told us, this week is the second week in Advent. And this week's envelope is peace. And in our envelope, is a folded piece of construction paper. And what we're supposed to do with this is do a wonderful card for our Montclair family. Also, the family 
project for the week is collecting food. So if you did not bring it today, you have time this week. Continue to collect food for our, to, to fill up our pantry. You should have a beautiful blue bag in there, and we'd love for you to fill it up and bring it by the church. We have a bin on the porch in the Welcome Center. Blessings to you all. Thank you, Nancy. After the introit this morning, we will invite Barbara and Bobby Yurkatat to light our Advent wreath. The Yurkatats moved to Charlotte just over a year ago, or right around a year ago, along with their eighth grade daughters, Anna Grace and Caroline, and have recently joined our congregation. We are grateful that they are with us this morning. Now let us worship God. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8 or verse excuse me chapter 11 verse 6 chapter 9 verse 6 The wolf shall live with the lamb the leopard shall lie down with the kid the calf and the lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them For a child has been born for us a son given to us Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into our darkness. With the coming of this light, there is peace, for Christ is called the Prince of Peace. Let us pray. God of peace and love, in the midst of this busy season, quiet our hearts and calm our spirits. Moment by moment, day by day, may we sense your nearness and know your peace. Amen. Prepare the way 
Lord of new beginnings, you were favorable to your land, you restored the fortunes of Jacob, you forgave the iniquity of your people, you pardoned all their sins. Let us hear what God will speak. Will he speak the peace to those who are faithful? With humility we confess, turning to God in our hearts. Let us pray. O oh God, far too often we find ourselves stuck, overwhelmed or aimless, trapped by fears and anxieties that paralyze us, constraining our actions, simple acts of compassion, of connection with others, are immeasurably difficult. And sometimes anger, even rage, takes us hostage, and we treat others as enemies, failing to discern your beloved image of them. Free us from fear and anger so that we can love without restraint, so that we can be compassionate as you are compassionate, because we are your children. Amen. Friends, hear these words of assurance from Psalm 85. Surely his salvation is at the hand of those who fear him, for his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our text this morning comes from the Old Testament, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Listen now for the word of the Lord. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that she has paid her penalty, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. 
Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. This is the word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Amen. Last weekend, some families gathered on the lawn of our church to make Advent wreaths. And for the first time, I met toddlers that I had not seen since they were infants last March. Some of us have new jobs. Some of us have retired. Some of us have lost our jobs. Many of our households have been overwhelmed with health concerns since March. My teenage son seems to have grown a half a foot in the last several months. There seems to be a thing with men and beards of biblical proportion during COVID. A lot can change in a day or a week or a month or a year, but it could have been worse for the Israelites, I mean. Never mind the days of promise and blessing, I'm sure the Israelites expected God to fix that mess they were in sooner or later, but it seems as if they have been waiting a very long time, and it would be another 500 years or so before Jesus would even hit the ground running. Sure, the Babylonians decimated their land and their way of being. Yes, they've lost their cultural and religious center, the temple. The world around them was chaotic and uncertain. They were disoriented and weary and strung out. And no, they could not congregate as a community of faith. Any sense of spiritual connection was out the window. They were completely untethered from their one life-giving center. When the breath of God blows, surely the people are grass. But it could have been worse. Ironically, in spite of being exiled, their portfolios were busting at the seams. It seems the Israelites were permitted to engage in Babylonian commerce and culture as much as they wanted, as long as they forgot who they were and where they came from and who was their God. But alas, we all know that prosperity and suffering are not mutually exclusive. In fact, it has been suggested that there were consequences for humanity's tendency to worship money instead of God. Isaiah, Isaiah spoke to this directly. Jerusalem has paid 
their term. She has received double for all her sins. One particular prophet went as far as to say that it is easier for a camel to fit through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. But we'll get to that prophet later. You see, since the destruction of Judah by the Babylonians, with every day and every week and every month and every year that passed, came a deep, deep anguish, a defeated complacency, a loss of communal identity. Land? What land? Generational togetherness? Isn't that how God formed Israel in the first place, from the roots of a promise? a promise of blessing and steadfast love, Isaiah cries out, here is your God, here, here is your God. Really? Where's my God? Because last time I checked, the nations were in an uproar and a global pandemic has been around long enough to seem a bit biblical and most of our children are being homeschooled. Clearly, there's no temple, there are no synagogues, rituals, sacraments, liturgy, hymns, sacred meals, parties, what parties? Trips, vacations, concerts, plays, feasts, games, small groups. Can we not visit our loved ones in retirement communities? Who hears the stories we tell? Who sees the candles that we light? And at what risk? Just like those who lead our institutions and our businesses and our governments, the decisions we are forced to make in the midst of this chaos have real implications, not just for ourselves, but for those around us as well. This was true for the Israelites in exile, and it is true for us today. Quarantine, incubation, contact tracing, social distancing, screen fatigue, drive-throughs, shutdown orders, no touching without gloves, no smiling without masks. Do I risk exposing my spouse or my mother or my grandmother, or does she stay isolated for several more weeks? or months. How many liturgists, how many musicians can we safely have here in the sanctuary? What about our small group gatherings, AA, circles, caring for our children? What if we misstep? What are the consequences? What do our families do about Thanksgiving and Christmas? Do we work or do we stay at home to care for our children? And then how will we prioritize our finances? What if I'm miserable at college? What if I'm miserable at home? What about the unspoken tension in our relationships or our marriages? And just because COVID-19 is pulling out all the stops, it doesn't mean that cancer and car accidents and hunger and homelessness and grief have taken a sabbatical. So where is God? Where is our center in, in all of this? Lord have mercy, the cards, the lights, the trees, the gifts, the elves. Typically we pay lip service to Advent and then bulldoze our way straight through in pursuit of holiday busyness, achievement, and control. Not this year. If 2020 has done nothing else, it has 
like a balm to many a weary soul. Advent. Advent is penetrating the symptoms and sins of this mess we are enduring, only to honor and to reveal our desperate, ubiquitous need in the midst of prolonged suffering. Suffering is something our culture barely tolerates. Grin and bear it. Keep on keeping on. Just push through the pain. Dry it up, suck it up, quit complaining. Suffer in silence. Fix it or forget about it. As a child, the writer and theologian Fleming Rutledge misunderstood the meaning of Advent. She thought one was supposed to pretend that Jesus hadn't been born so that they could be more excited when Christmas came. This Advent, we are not pretending to be in the dark. We are taking a hard look at the darkness we are in. We are facing it and defining it honestly so that we will understand with utmost clarity that our great and only hope is in Jesus's final victorious coming. Knowing that Christ has already come, this year we're on our knees. This year we're gazing up at the night sky knowing that when darkness is at its darkness, a star shines its brightest. This year we are wondering with all hope, how long? How long will it be? How long will we wait until Christ will come again? Until every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain will be made low, then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. Exile, isolation, anguish, and despair, they draw us into the depths of our inner souls. And so this narrative of God's promise, God's inbreaking, is somehow personal and intimate. As Howard Thurman puts it, the intimate awareness of our private poverty closes in upon us. We would love, but we're not skilled at the art. We would give, but we don't know to whom or what. We would seek God, but there is so little heart in our quest. We would triumph over our weakness, but the zeal ever escapes us. We would honor the light within ourselves, but there is so much comfort in the darkness. We would pray, but our spirits cannot even focus on our needs. The intimate awareness of our private poverty closes in upon us. And so for this reason, the incarnation cannot be privatized or individualized. Positive thinking is no match for grief. Overlooking our problems will not make them go away. Numbing the pain means we also numb the joy. Denying help or rest is a denial of God's grace. And ignoring the suffering and distress of others is absolutely unchristian. So Advent cannot simply be a process of preparing our individual hearts. We know too much. We see too much. We hear too much. We know about a child who's been abused. We know about a man who was murdered in broad daylight. 
We've seen a city wiped out by a hurricane. And we know of a nation of humans who have been victimized by genocide. No, we need something. We need someone beyond ourselves. The prophet Isaiah offers a vision and an invitation meant to reorient our lives and refocus the expectations of those who are exiled. We are exiled. The people of Israel had no temple, and so they too gathered in the intimacy of their homes. As Paul Hansen explains, it was terribly important to maintain a comprehensive vision of reality around the one life-giving center. When life is so chaotic, people are tempted to either throw out all forms of the past or to cling immensely to tradition out of a fear of change. If only those Israelites had the internet, it might have helped a little bit. Advent and Christmas are seasons of tradition and ritual but our traditions only matter if they articulate meaning within our current context. This year, most of our traditions, our gatherings, our sense of security, our freedom to hug and to hold hands, to gather together and to sing hymns without these masks on, all that's being challenged. But rest assured, all is not lost. You see, nostalgia and memory, they are not the same thing. And we light these candles to remember. And we sing these songs with our masks on. And we tell these stories of Advent and Christmas to remember the story of who God is and how God loves us, which of course is our story of identity and belonging and purpose. If the exiled Israelites were to survive at all, if they were to make it through the cross-currents of inner questioning and external pressure, they desperately needed a new way to discern the truth from falsehood. And so the prophet of Isaiah delivers a message of expectation and comfort and hope. And this year, this year, maybe more than a lot of the other years in recent memory, we remember the truth of Advent which is this, in spite of our best efforts to be good, to be faithful, to be right, to be the best, to be strong, we can't make it on our own. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. We are like John the Baptist in the wilderness. We are heralds of good tidings. Do not fear, wear a mask. Lift up your voice with strength because ours is a vision of prophetic hope in the midst of suffering, of peace as an end to suffering, of joy beyond our suffering, and a love so profound it rejoices in truth, it bears all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. This Advent season, we are still waiting but we are not alone. We sit shiva with Job. We eat manna with Moses. We cry bitter tears with Hannah. 
We lament with David in a cave. We cry out with the parents of the infants that Herod, Herod slaughtered. We stand with the blind man at the side of the pools. We pray and we weep with Jesus in Gethsemane. It is only within this realm of suffering that we can fully understand God's profound act of mercy, the magnitude, the mystery, and the glory of a baby born to two ordinary parents on an ordinary night in an ordinary poor town in an ordinary dusty cattle stall, in the midst of an ordinary yet narcissistic dictator making ordinary yet oppressive threats taking place. It is God taking a place among us, with us, for us, beside us. God surrendering, God's binding God's self to us and compromising. God taking our place. Once and for all, in the midst of our anguish, God with us, Emmanuel. A lot can change in a day or a week or a month or a year. This Advent season, we wait and we say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. Let us pray together. O Lord, our God, this is a season that brings so much with it. Hope, peace, love, joy, waiting, excitement, twinkling lights that help us remember the true light of the world. It brings happy memories of times past and attempts to gather with loved ones but it is also complicated, especially this year. This season always has a side of grief with which we must balance. Grief for those we've lost, and those we long for, and those who are distant in a variety of ways. This year also brings the addition of fear and fatigue and frustration. Lord, hear our voices crying out and bring us your hope and peace. Carry us through the hard days and show us the joy that awaits. Our teachers and healthcare workers are weary. Strengthen and sustain them. Our elected officials at all levels have important and critical work to do. Give them a spirit of camaraderie and collegiality to seek the good of all they serve, regardless of party. Our military continues to faithfully serve us, protect them and hold their families close and tight to you. Our children are hurting and struggling. Give us wisdom to care for them and seek their best welfare. Give us courage to stand for them and what they need. Our senior citizens, Lord, oh, how they have given over the decades and many now find themselves alone and isolated. Give them your sustaining presence and show us how to love them well. Our neighbors are hungry, seeking work and homeless. Show us where and how to make a difference and to love them well. Keep us from trying to distinguish between who is deserving and who isn't, 
and help us work to alleviate suffering and injustice wherever we find it, trusting that the rest is up to you. Some among us are battling illnesses, enduring grief, and significant family changes. Keep close, Lord. Make your presence known. Provide healing in your time and your will, and allow us to serve each other as your hands and feet in the world. Lord, our eyes are upon you. Our soul waits for you. You are our help and our shield. Our hearts rejoice in you, and in you we put our hope and trust. We ask all this, as well as all that remains unspoken but weighs heavy on our hearts. We ask it in the name of the one we await, who had taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, we invite you to consider how you might respond to the good news of God's love and grace. How you might show your love to God and to neighbor. How you might seek the peace of Christ within and with others. At Selwyn, we offer many ways to grow deeper in your discipleship. Giving of yourself and your finances allows us to share this good news and offer these opportunities. Our website offers you educational, mission, and financial giving options. We also have a text to give number, 704-734-9818. May we respond in gratitude and love.
Let us pray as we dedicate our gifts to God. O oh God, we offer our gifts to you that they may be used to further your promise of hope, peace, love, and justice. Empower us, O oh God, to follow these gifts into our community and world so that they and we may become bearers of hope, peace, love, and justice on earth. Amen. And now, heralds of good tidings, as we wait, may God's steadfast love and faithfulness meet near you. May God's righteousness and peace kiss in your midst. And may God's grace in Christ Jesus bless you and guide you and keep you as we say, come Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs>